Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. If you have a Bible, you can go to Nehemiah 6. We're back in our series, Nehemiah, making wrong things, wrong things right. And through this uh, series of messages, we've been answering questions. So every time we get into a text, we have a question we want to answer. And the question we're trying to answer today is, why do we need to be discerning in 2024? I've never done one of these, like, you know, on the way to the New Year's kind of sermon. So this is my first one. But the question is, why do we need to be discerning in 2024? And the text actually gives us two reasons. Two reasons why we need to be discerning. Because of the type of people we have to deal with. The types of people we have to deal with. Years change, but people are still challenging. And the Lord's people said? Years change, but people are still challenging. We have to be discerning because of that. Here's the next reason. The type of decisions we have to make. Because of the type of decisions we need to make, years change, but major decisions still come. And our text is going to show us that. But, but I want you to know that the text today is actually here to help us. <laughs> Somebody, want, Yogi, you want to get that? The text is here to help us. I don't know if I went like, and blew that off. <laughs> It helps us in two ways. It shows us that actually we can navigate challenging people. People are challenging, but the text is going to show us we can navigate them. The text also helps us because it shows us that we can and are able to make wise choices. So why do we need to be discerning? Here's the first one. Because we have to deal with fraudulent people. We have to be discerning because we have to deal with fraudulent people. Verse 1, it says, Now when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall, that there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not set up the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, Come, let us meet together in the plain of, plain of Ono. But, here's the fraud, they intended to do me harm. And I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent to me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. You got to remember, right? We've been going through this. These are the guys who have been attacking Nehemiah. They've been going at him, working hard to stop the work that he is doing. Now they're being all friendly. Come, let's meet together, they say. Let's get together. And talk, but Nehemiah saw through it. Verse 2, he says, they intended to do me harm. So out of nowhere, you're like, they call him and he discerns what they want to do. They intended to do me harm. And you're like, how did he do this? How did he discern this? How did he come to this conclusion? First, the location. 
They say, come meet us in the plains of Ono. Now, if you look at the map and if you track and go back, it actually is close to their territory. So they're like, come see us in our neighborhood. Come see us around our people. Come see us where all of the enemies who have been trying to attack you are residing. Come there. The next one is they kept begging. Oh, four times it says, he says in verse four, four times. They're like, please come, come, come. This next one, they don't come to him. See, if they, these guys are really, really seeking reconciliation, couldn't they have gone to Jerusalem? But no, they're like, no, come to us. One of the ways fraudulent people expose themselves is that they are inconsistent in their behavior. Remember, attacking, now friendly. The next way is they are always, always doing things that's really about them, selfish actions. You want to spot fraudulent people in your life? Just look at that. What are they, how are they behaving? Is it consistent with what we've seen in the past or is it inconsistent? And are they being selfish? They say, please come. Nehemiah says, no. In verse three, he says, he says, and I sent them messengers saying, I'm doing a great work and cannot come down. Now, when he says I'm doing a great work, it's not self-praise. He's not like, oh, look at me. I'm doing a big thing. The way you could translate this is like, I'm doing important work. Nehemiah's like, if I leave the work, it won't get done. And actually, you'll get your way. All they wanted was for him to stop. So it's like, I can't, I can't come. They can't get him to come and visit. So they start spreading lies. Look at verse 5. In the same way, Sanballat, uh, for the fifth time, sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. And then it was written, it is reported in among the nations, and Gershom also says it, that you and the Jews are intending to rebel. They're like, you're intending to actually go against the king, who if you go back to ch chapter one, sent him to go do the work. They're like, you're intending to rebel. That's why you're doing this. And this is why you're been building a wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. So now they're like, you're actually really prideful. You're not only planning rebellion, you're really a prideful person. You're, this is about you. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem, there's a king in Judah. Watch this. And now the king will hear these reports. They're like, Nehemiah, you don't want this to get out. Open letter, we're, pro we're planning to make this all public. And when the king hears, I don't know how it's going to go for you. Watch now. So come and let us take counsel together. Nehemiah, we want to help. We're, all, the, all these things are out there about you. We want to help you. Come. Verse 8. Then I sent to him saying, no such thing as you have said has been done. For you are inventing them out of your own mind. Nehemiah is like, you're lying. You're, everything you're saying is you're making it up. Why? For they wanted to frighten us, thinking that our hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. But, oh God, strengthen my hands. Here's the thing about fraudulent people. They'll always show who they really are when they don't get what they want. That's the, re that's the reality. They, they're like, come visit. He's like, no. And they're like, all right. And then they show their hand. This is who they are. Frauds are that way. As soon as they don't get the thing that they're really after, here they, they, the character is fully 
revealed. And these are serious accusations. You don't want this to get out. They're trying to intimidate him. Did you see it in verse 9? They wanted to frighten us. They're acting like they want to help. Come, let us take counsel together. If you come, Nehemiah, if we come and we have a talk, maybe we can manage this. Maybe we can, we can navigate this all together. They're not trying to help him. They're trying to hurt him. That's all that is going on. They attacked, but Nehemiah prayed. They attacked. Nehemiah answers with prayer. Do you see it in verse 9? But now, O God, strengthen my hands. Look down at verse 14. Remember Tobiah and Sanballat, O my God, according to these things that they did, and also the prophetess Nodia and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. He's got all kinds of people against him. Raymond Brown says, even though Nehemiah was not remotely guilty, it was a huge temptation to bring out into the open and assert his innocence. It's not easy to handle unjust accusations, but the Bible offers clear guidelines for us to respond. We need to examine our own hearts to see if there's any truth, whatever in the accusation, so we don't just be like, oh, forget that. Even when somebody says something that's fraudulent if, and it's a lie, you still should look at it and examine it. Is there something in there that I can learn from? Is there something in there that I may need to adjust in my life and go in a slightly different direction? Examine it. Don't just brush it away. Secondly, we are to intercede for those who falsely say all kinds of evil. That's hard, ain't it? Somebody's going at you and you choose to pray for them. Isn't that hard? Don't you want to go at them? Sometimes I do. But to, to intercede for them, that takes courage. That takes humility. That's an act of love. Here's why you intercede for them. Because if somebody's willing to lie in this way, if somebody's willing to do this sort of evil, they need help. And who else can help them but God? Who else can open their eyes to this reality, to this level of change that is necessary? So the temptation is to attack. The temptation is to defend yourself. But the best answer is to pray for them, that God would work in them. We should also pray for ourselves. Watch this. Especially for patience. Especially for patience to absorb the falsehood with temperate speech, knowing that a gentle answer turns away wrath. When you choose to pray, you know what you're doing? You're saying, I'm trusting God with it. When you choose to pray, you're saying, I'm not taking things into my own hands. I am not going to do to them what they are doing to me. Because here's the thing. If we go at them the way they're going at us, we're probably going to make do more harm than good. Because we're broken too. And so our response might not be as healthy as we think it's going to be. And so it's good and wise to pray. Verse 10 says, Now, when I went to the house of Shemaiah, the son of, I'm just going to say these names because I don't really know how to say them, Deliah, son of Mehthabel, who was confined in his home, he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the door of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. They are coming to kill you by night. But I said, such, such a man as, as, I, as I run away? And what man such as I could do, go into the temple and live? I will not go and live, go in 
And I understood, verse 12, and saw that God had not sent him, but he had pronounced this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat hired him for this purpose. He was hired that I should be afraid and act in this way and sin so they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. Don't you feel bad for Nehemiah? As I'm reading it, I'm like, this guy has people coming at him from all kinds of angle. And he's probably wondering at this point, can I trust anybody? Think of, this is his boy. He's like, come to my house. Can't people be frauds? Come to my house. Come hang with me. You know why? Come, because, because I'm, I'm actually trying to protect you. I'm trying to help you. There's frauds inside and there's fraud outside in Nehemiah's life. Outside and inside, all around, he's dealing with fraudulent people. And here's why it's important for us not to be fraudulent ourselves. Because it's easy to be like, "Mm, that person's a fraud. But sometimes we can be that way. But here's why it's important not to be fraudulent. Because fraudulent people produce unhealthy habits in others. Uh, Nehemiah's like, what, who can I trust? Here are the habits that frauds can produce. They can make people cynical. No one can be trusted. That person's a fraud, so everybody must be a fraud. Everybody is this way. They can make people suspicious. Ooh, I wonder when that person who says they're really for me is going to turn against me. And so you just watch and you're always wondering. And honestly, then it makes it really difficult for you to really get near anybody, huh? The next one it produces is isolation. Well, if everyone's a fraud and somebody's going to turn on me, then I may as well just stay away from everybody. I may as well just keep to myself because the only person I can trust is me. Unhealthy Habits. This is why we shouldn't be two-faced, but these are actually habits that we ourselves have to avoid. We shouldn't be cynical. There's some people who are trustworthy. Do you know that? Say, yes, there is. Yes, there is. Not everyone's fake, just some people. And we need to be discerning enough even to catch that. Oh, this person's real. You know why? Their habits, their behavior has been consistent over the times I've known them and the way they carry themselves. We want to avoid. There's some people, believe it or not, who will never turn on you. They'll ne- Do you hear what I said? There's some people in your life who will never turn on you. And sometimes when there's frauds, we forget that. And we lose sight. Sometimes you're dealing with a difficult person and you are just missing the person who's standing right next to you in all the trials and all the troubles. And they're like, I'm here for you and I'm not going anywhere. They're even courageous enough to look at you and be like, didn't I warn you about that fraud over there? I told you, but now I'm going to help you walk through it. There's some people who will never turn on you. Here's this last one. Isolation is dangerous. The Bible says he who isolates himself breaks out against all sound judgment. Let me, let, me put, let me translate that. If you isolate yourself, the Bible says you're being stupid. I can say that because the boys aren't in the room, right? They'd be like, dad, that's a bad word. 
You isolate yourself. That's dangerous. What happened? In isolation, you don't, sometimes you're so isolated, you don't realize you're going down the hole of bitterness all by yourself as you stew and think about that person who did you harm. You don't want to isolate yourself. Isolating yourself, you break, your, you break off from community. And how do you know? You, 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 might, you might be missing out on a new and beautiful friendship that God is, is bringing along, about to bring into your life. So we don't isolate. Like Judas, who kissed Jesus while helping to kill Jesus, Shemaiah is in the pocket of the opposition. But Nehemiah figured it out. He discerned. He figured it out with two questions. Here's what he says, verse 11. But I said, such a man as I run away? And what man such as I could go into the temple and live? He realizes if I run, it's actually a sign that I don't trust God. If I run away, it'll be clear. I'm no longer trusting God. I'm trusting myself. I'm I'm too afraid of these frauds, so I'm going to run away. Here's this next one. If he enters the temple, he'd actually be ignoring, and the inner parts of the temple, just so you understand, he'd be actually ignoring the word of God. Because in Numbers 18, it says only the descendants of Levi can actually go in, and Nehemiah is not a descendant of Levi, here's what I'm trying to tell you. People are going to try to fool you. Shemaiah is trying to fool him. People are going to try to fool you, but we can be, avoid being fooled by doing three things. One, knowing the scriptures. If you know the word of God, and if you follow the word of God, you're probably not going to get duped. You're not going to be misled. Here's this other one. You are not going to be fooled by fraudulent people by asking lots of questions. Did you notice that Nehemiah asked questions? He's like, wait a minute. Right? Sometimes people come and they're like, you, I want to sell you this. And you're like, yeah. You're like, wait, let me ask a question. Do I, do I need that? Should I do that? Ask lots of questions. Sometimes somebody comes, they're like, I'm really feeling you. I want want to go out with you. Like, wait, let me ask a couple questions. Ask. And you'll start to, you'll figure out the details. Then you'll be discerning and make some good choices. And then this next one, you avoid being fooled by fraudulent people by not acting impulsively. Nehemiah could have been like, all right, bro, let's go. We got to go. He's like, they're coming to kill you tonight. But did you notice that Nehemiah doesn't be like, yo, let's get the jacket on. I got to put the beanie on. We got to get out the door right now. He doesn't do any of that. He says, wait, There is no impulsive action at all. Sometimes we get fooled by people because we hear something and we go quick into action rather than moving slow and taking our time. Know the word, follow the word. Ask lots of questions, refuse to act impulsively. That's the way to avoid being fooled. There are frauds out there. If you don't believe me, it's in the text. But we can, by following what the word of God says, navigate challenging and fraudulent people. Why do we need to be discerning in 2024? Here's this last one. Because we have to avoid foolish compromises. 
because we have to avoid foolish compromises. Verse 15 says, so the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elihu in 52 days. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their esteem. Notice they were trying to make Nehemiah afraid. Now they're afraid. And fell greatly in their own esteem. For they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Nehemiah's like, the wall's done. And they, it, with all the distractions, you know how long it took? Six months. Six months. All, with all that's going on around him, the work still gets done. But do you notice who got the credit? Did you catch who got the credit? Nehemiah said, we, we didn't do it on our own. Verse 16, we accomplished it with the help of our God. They got it done because God showed up. They got it done because God was working through them. This is a reminder that you accomplish, it's goal setting season, right? You accomplish all your goals. You setting any goals? Some of you, no, you're like, mm-mm. It's okay. Some of you are. But you accomplish those goals with the help of your God. Not by depending on yourself. And here's the thing. When you accomplish those goals, make sure you give praise to God. Sometimes we, we get something done in our life. We're like, look at me. Not Nehemiah, though. He's like, God worked. We got this done because of God, and he deserves the praise. Nehemiah and the people did a great thing, but the nobles did a foolish thing. You're like, where? Show me. Look at verse 17. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah. So the, 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 the leaders, the, the, the affluent, sorry, not the leaders, the affluent people in the, in the community, the people with bread in their pocket, sent letters to Tobiah, and letters came, and, to, and Tobiah's letters came to them. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him because he was son-in-law of Shekaniah, the son of Ara, and his son, <laughs> I don't know if I'm saying these names right, Jehoaniah had taken the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, and his wife. When he says that they were bound by oath, what he's saying is that they compromised in business. You got to realize here, the nobles are now friendly with the person who had been trying to eliminate them. Tobiah from the beginning was part of the group, still is who's trying to hinder the work, trying to destroy these people. And now he says they're bound by oath to him. They compromise in business. Because bound by oath here is talking actually about an economic agreement that they made. In context, Tobiah actually has good, not good, he has uh, uh, trading practices, trading business that he's working in. And so they're like, we are going to join up with him because we can make lots of money. And so they compromise in business. They're blinded, blinded by the cash flow. They're like, we can make money from this guy. So now let's just, let's forget about the fact that he's been trying to kill us. The love of money can lead you to foolish compromises. 
where you start doing business, you start operating and mixing with people who, who are evident when you look at the data and the facts that they can't be trusted. Isn't this guy the fraud from a couple of verses ago? But here they are. There is no, hear me on this. There is nothing wrong with making money. It's good and wise to make money. Say it's good. But you can't compromise on the way. Because the foolish compromises on the way will catch up to you in the end. Think about this guy. If he's been behaving the way he's been behaving, is this somebody that you sign a contract with? Is this someone that you don't think would maybe turn on you when it's actually in his advantage? Foolish compromises. The love of money can blind us, but we got to be wise. Here's this next one. They compromised in marriage. They compromised in marriage. Verse 18, it says, For many were bound to him by oath because he was son-in-law of Shekinah, the son of Ara. Tobiah actually married into the noble group. And then he made sure all of, his, all of his kids also married in. Raymond Brown says, here's Nehemiah's first direct reference to one of Judah's greatest problems, the temptation to marry either an unbeliever or half-believer. Under pressure for personal advancement, financial advantage, business interests, and social position, many people were lured into marriages with someone either outside of Israel's faith or a partner who did not profess an uncompromising allegiance to Israel's God. Foolish compromises. That's what this is. And this is a compromise. Do you know God tells you and me never to make? I know some of us in here, like, I, I want to get married. It's a good thing, men and women. But it's a, God says you are to marry in 1 Corinthians 7.39. You are to marry those who are in the Lord. Only those who are in the Lord. In the Lord and no one else. In the Lord, never compromising. That's what God tells you. That's what God tells me. That's what God tells us. Here's why. Because if you ignore that direction and, and uh, command from Scripture, it can lead to serious marriage trouble and life trouble. And we are to be wise and trust God to say that God knows better than me and I'm going to be discerning enough to follow what he says because I know that when God gives me a direction and a command, it's for my good and my blessing. And so yes, sometimes it's hard to wait, but I am called out by God to wait for him to provide me this person who is in the Lord and not to take it in my own hands and say, I know better than God and I can actually make this person come towards God. Isn't that a lie that we tell ourselves? Listen to me, the darkness always takes over the light. And God tells you that because he says that if you go with somebody who is not in the faith, they will pull your heart away. You're like, give me an example, Solomon. Just read your Bible. He goes after all kinds of women who are outside the faith and it says that his heart was turned from God. 
And so don't think you know better than God. Don't think you can pick somebody for your life better than God. How about that? Because God can see into the heart. You can't. And sometimes, here's another way the fraud shows up. They just play the part for a while. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing work now. I'm waking up. They just play the part for a while. Oh, yeah, I'm into it. I, I'll go with you. I'll sing. Yeah, I'll, I'll go into the small group. Yeah, I'm interested in the Bible. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering. I have all kinds of questions. Ring slides on. You know, the wedding sort of thing goes off. I wouldn't be the one officiating that because we'd probably catch that early. Ring. And then it switches. And then it switches. Oh, I don't want to go anymore. Oh, I'm feeling, yeah, it's cold outside. I'm sleepy. Come on, girl, it's New Year's. New Year's Eve. We don't, we, mm, we're going somewhere else tonight. Then it switches. And then the, then the conversation, then the hard, the hard road starts. You got to trust God with your life. He knows best and knows better. And he says, this is not a compromise to make. Think about, think about if kids come into the equation. The challenge of raising kids in that sort of situation. If God was to bless you that way, and you got two people who have completely different ethical convictions, completely different convictions about the way to live life, and you're trying to navigate and raise the young ones into the young hearts into that, don't make the foolish compromise. They did. But God tells us clearly in Scripture, we can avoid that. Here's this last one. They compromised in speech. They compromised in speech. Look at verse 19. It says, and also they spoke of his good deeds. We're making money off this guy. We're actually related to this guy now. He's a good person. Nehemiah's like, do you want me to show you some letters he sent me? They spoke of his good deeds in my presence, and watch this, and reported my words to him. They're sellouts. They're at the man's table, and they're just taking notes. What do you say? Oh, yeah. Tobiah, here's what Nehemiah said. Here's what Nehemiah is planning. Here's the next move. Because of them, Tobiah has fresh material to hinder the work. They're helping him hinder the work of God. They reported my words to him. And Tobiah, it's funny, right? They're like, he's really good. He's a really kind person. Here's the thing, though. The Bible never hides who people are. He's got good deeds. But scripture, you're like, oh, this is, this is how they're playing, but this is who they are. Look at it. And Tobiah sent letters to make me afraid. Just like that. Against their word, there's a contrast. He's a good man. Actually, he's an intimidator, and he's an opposer of the work of God. This is who he is. God's like, you think he's good? He's terrible. He sent letters to make me afraid. Nehemiah opposed, hindered. Do you know who else experienced this? Jesus Christ. Sons, you can come now if you want. Jesus comes. He comes. Remember, what did Nehemiah say? I am doing a great work. 
I'm doing an important work. Jesus comes to do the exact same thing. He comes to do a great work, but he, same way, was hindered and opposed in his work. But like Nehemiah finished the wall, here I come now. Like Nehemiah finished the wall. Do you remember in verse 50? He said the wall was finished. Like Nehemiah finished the wall, Jesus finished the work. Even though he was hindered and he was opposed, the work got done. You couldn't stop what God was doing through his son, no matter how hard you tried. And just like the finished wall blessed the people, the finished work of Jesus Christ is blessing you right now. Because of his work. This is why. This is why you can stand here knowing because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, what? What did Jamila say? Your hope is secured. Because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, you have a restored relationship with God. And that, believe believe me, is why you can be discerning in 2024. Because God is in your life. See, if you've been sitting there thinking, Oh, Marv is telling me I can be discerning. If I just rely on myself, then you have it all wrong. You and me in this coming year can be discerning, not just to navigate fraudulent people, not just to make wise choices. For all of living, for every day, we can be discerning because we have God in our life. And when we depend on God by praying to him in all of the challenges that come, in all of the choices that we have to make, when we depend on God by listening to his word. Remember, Nehemiah did two things. Did you catch it? He always prayed and he knew the word. When we do those two things, depending on God, not depending on ourselves, then discernment actually flows into your life and you can start to make good and wise decisions. Discerning people do life well. And I'm standing here and I'm telling you, if you trust in God and not trust in yourself, If you depend on God, if you choose to make this year a year where every time something difficult comes up, you go to your knees in prayer. If you choose to make this year a year where you're like, I am actually going to make time to hear from God, to let the scriptures flow into my life and shape my life. I am going to allow God to be the greatest and biggest influence on me. If you choose that, This is going to be a year where you are going to be wise in the things that you do, wise in the people that you allow into your life and the people that you allow to influence you. It all depends on you and me choosing to be humble, choosing to say discernment is possible, but not by depending on myself by depending on my God, who his son brought back into my life through the work that he did on the cross. You can live wisely in 2024. The question is, are you gonna do the work? Let's stand and pray. Father, we pray that you would help us to trust.
trust you with our life. God, we need wisdom. We need discernment. We need to be people who test every spirit. We need to be people. We want to be people who don't depend on ourselves, but depend upon you. And so we pray, Lord God, that you would put a belief in our hearts and our minds that we can, that you would put a desire in our hearts and our minds to pray to you, to listen to your word, to follow what you say, knowing that it's in those simple but hard, simple but hard steps that discernment comes. God, we thank you for this piece of scripture that equips us for living life here in this world. We pray, oh God, that you would help us to walk by your spirit, spirit-filled in the things that we have heard today so that we can make decisions that lead to blessing and joy. Help us, we pray. Thank you for the word. Help us walk in and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.